are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to be here today with Richard Schwartz. We actually had a chance to speak a little while ago. Richard is the CEO of Pensa Systems. Richard, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. All right, Richard, tell us what Pensa Systems does and why you founded the company. We do something wacky. We've uh, trained the computer to stare at the shelves at at retail and figure out using AI and computer vision, literally what's on the shelf and what should be there. And then read that out to the retailers and the brand manufacturers uh, and the like. And there's quite a bit of AI behind it. The reason we uh, decided to come down and do this is the following. First of all, Uh, knowing what's literally on the shelf at retail is really hard. There is no system of record. It's very eyeball intensive. It's literally people walking around and staring at the shelf to look for gaps and try to understand what's out. And then armies of people from the brand manufacturers that sell through the retail channels doing the same thing and looking again. And, What we saw, and this is my background and our background in PENSA, what we saw is that AI, uh, deep learning and large systems around that, were starting to get to the point where you could actually train the computer to visually recognize what's on the shelf and then index that over time and also conclude how the shelves are being managed. And from that, do things that are hard for people and not very accurate for the way it's done today. And that led to Pensa. Okay, so all this stuff about planograms and and shelf maps and everything, is that just not happening in retail? Some of it happens. It's usually not very accurate. Um, Very often, the retailer or some of the brand manufacturers have an idea um, how the shelf could or should be organized. That's not usually in practice what actually happens on the shelf for a variety of reasons. So the trick is is actually to do two things, and, and this is where, at least in our case, AI comes in. One is literally try to figure out uh, automatically how to digitize the shelf and know down to the individual item or SKU level what's there and also look repeatedly and infer, impute automatically how literally the shelf is being managed. So no matter what, whether the original plans or the way it's done or something else has been done, 
still figure out whether the shelves are effective, are things out of stock, are there changes needed and that sort of thing. So let's imagine I'm a retailer. It strikes me that there's a lot going on here. We're talking about, you know, one of the things a lot of organizations say to me is I'm not sure I can use computer vision because I don't have a lot of images that are trained with the right label data to create the model. How do I think about that if I'm a retailer today? Is that something I need to bring to you at this point? Well, first of all, um, retailers and brand manufacturers have tried just about everything to, to solve this. It's a, it's a trillion dollar problem for stockouts, right? In a normal time, it's a trillion dollar, a trillion and a half dollar problem. So people have tried, you know, ceiling cameras and shelf cameras and robots and this and that. And by and large, um, everything is either not very accurate or very uh, expensive either to buy and install or to operationally make changes. And the trick, it seems to me, Maribel, is to use technology, use AI and technology. So every retailer doesn't need to turn into a deep learning uh, or AI expert, but instead get better tools that can be deployed easily and don't require unrealistic inputs in order to get trustworthy outputs. That's one of the keys. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. The heavy lift up front really stalls people from even getting started. And then there are all the discussions about well, what type of cameras do I need? and How good is the resolution? Do I have the right Wi-Fi network? And it strikes me that there's both um, a networking and an AI challenge that these companies struggle with. So you're dealing with a lot of different types of companies. And I'm sure over the course of the installs that you've done, there have been some things that have been consistent. So is there a set of best practices that you think of when somebody's trying to approach this problem of dealing with stockouts and getting over the original hump of getting started. You know, I think you and I talked about um, the the days of old with uh, Tesco and the broccoli cam, which I was yes. really enamored with back in the day as one of the early examples of like edge IOT. You know? Yeah, no, the broccoli cam was quite an interesting early uh, attempt to have a fixed camera in the ceiling sort of focused on a, uh, a broccoli display, carefully angled so that it would be well visible to, to look for stockouts. Look, the and you asked before uh, about, you know, where are the images, how does the training uh, get done? That has been one of the real impediments that um, if um, a, a retailer or a brand needs to, supply a set of images of what their products look like and keep supplying updates to that as there are new products or the product packaging changes. Um, it's unrealistic. It's very hard to see how that can be provided. Uh, and without that, with the earlier AI technologies, there was simply no accuracy and no ability to reach the right conclusions. What we're doing there, and um, this couldn't have been done even a few years ago, we're learning in situ 
from the shelf. So without any need for those image databases that don't help anyway, we're learning in place on the shelf and the the way things are, uh, you know, a, a, a mustard uh, or a container of, of napkins or whatever the product category is, the way that it naturally appears on the shelf and packaging that's turned and twisted and upside down and pushed back, the system learns as it goes from that. So it can develop an automatic style of recognizing and visually identifying from what it sees in the wild instead of a difficult to provide an unrealistic database to get started. And that kind of thing is the way not only AI can be smarter, but in fact, it can use the AI to reduce the friction and what it takes to get started in order to deliver solutions that are trustworthy and accurate, you know? One of the things I love about this discussion that we're having is it gets to a real world problem. There are things that we have designed that we say, okay, it works like this. But when you actually get into the field, you realize that nothing works according to the plan. And if you design your technology solution around the thoughts that it's going to take a certain set of inputs and therefore it will work, it almost always has an issue. We saw this um, back in the days of people trying to embrace mobile technology. And there were these processes and workflows that they tried to replicate in mobile. And then the apps invariably didn't work. And what would happen is you'd find out that the process that they created, that they said was the process, was not actually the process people were using. and, And this is the same thing when you're talking about, okay, one day that mustard has this label, the next day they've rebranded it has a different label, and therefore the whole thing is kaplooey before you even start it. So when you talk to organizations, what are some of the things you think that they should know that you know, maybe a bit counterintuitive or not necessarily obvious that you have to explain to them? Well, I mean, one of the things is that um, AI isn't the same. In other words, uh, the product has AI in it or vendor X says they do machine learning or, you know, whatever. Those things don't mean the same thing. Um, uh, Machine learning and AI can be vastly different technologies used to solve incredibly different problems at different levels of sophistication and accuracy. So, you know, the first thing is just go beyond that and ask the question, what problem do you solve? What do you need as inputs? What are your outputs? What are your data outputs and key performance indicators? And how accurate are you? And when are you that accurate? And those are things that I, uh, I think are important to sort of separate out the hype from the reality and then begin to understand uh, how you can integrate it, how simply you can integrate it into your business process. For those that are doing it well, is there anything that they do that the others don't? Or is it just that they were faster to the deployment curve? You know, this thing we were talking about before, Maribel, the, um, how 
how can the technology or how does the technology and product get packaged up from each of the vendors so that it is realistic? It, the, the friction to bring in the solution doesn't overwhelm the value. And there yeah. are a number of things out there that don't pass that sniff test where, you know, there can be a, a, a burst of something very smart from some product. But if it requires either impossible or unrealistic changes or inputs, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And it leads to a lot of disappointment by everybody. No, that makes a lot of sense. So there's a lot going on in the AI field now, and I'm sure that you as delivering an AI product are spending a lot of time looking at that, thinking about that, thinking about what's next. Um, is there anything in the space that excites you? Is there anything that you're looking forward to deploying over the next six to 12 months? So, I mean, first of all, um, getting to uh, real scale, um, I think there are a number of things that are out there that are interesting, but maybe relegated to science experiments. And the, the, the scale deployments are where you start to have real business impact. And we're reaching that point, the kind of tipping point for doing that. And in general, I think um, dealing with the realities of scale, of diversity, uh, changes in packaging, different store layouts and product types and the changes that occur. And also the extent to which these technologies can integrate into real outputs. For us, it's things like the, the data stream for what's in stock and what's out of stock and in compliance and out, it's starting to get built into um, scorecards, dashboards and scorecards that are becoming the way that brand manufacturers and retailers can literally have a continuous view of the, the health of their business and their, their advantage or disadvantage relative to their competitors and things like that. And that's really exciting when you see the translation of something that was hard to do into somebody being delighted and being able to explain how it's changing their business. That That's what it's, it's all about, I, I think. When it gets to the point where you can kind of map it as part of a key performance indicator, you know, you can measure it, you can monitor it, you can start talking about it. That's when it's real for an organization. And that's when it starts to deliver value, right? Because before that, it's more of a proof of concept, or we really wish we could do this. And now you're like, how do I take this information and turn it into actionable data that I can go out and change something as a result of? So I, I think that's that's a fascinating way of putting it. And it makes a, it makes a lot of sense that um, you're talking about it in that way as how it's going to deliver value. Yeah, I, I completely subscribe to that. Yes. Richard, we were just talking about Pensa Systems and AI as it relates to retail and brands. Uh, are there any other industries that you're thinking about or how, you know, it seems to me that computer vision of this type might be applicable in multiple places. It is. And look, the, the core tech and our core IP, if you will, 
is in the area that we refer to as automated perception. Basically, AI being used to teach the computer to take, in our case, camera or camera sensory input and literally look like a person would at a scene, at a place, at stuff in the place, and begin to learn what's there, almost indexing, indexing what it sees, and then doing that over time. And then from that, being able to reason about what's right and what's wrong, what's out of place, uh, what are the anomalies. And that kind of technology uh, and Use cases are very broad, Mirabella. It's, uh, first of all, all through the entire supply chain of retail, everything from manufacturing facilities and warehouses to distribution centers and fulfillment centers for e-commerce and all the way up to the retail storefront. But it goes well beyond that. Uh, It's really applicable across a broad range of industries where the the computer and the perception can begin to be taken on by learning and AI, effectively learning the best of what people notice and what's right and what's wrong in what they see. You know, it's interesting that you brought up the word um, Perceptual. I remember we used to have perceptual computing back in the day. Uh, I know Intel spoke a lot about this, and it was a bit early when they were speaking about it. But when you think about it now, I think now would be a great time to resurrect that term and, and talk more about that because it's really taking the inputs of what's around you and trying to figure out from the actuality and the now of, of how to do this. And I think one of the wonderful things about AI is it has that type of power where it can be much more real time. Like if you think back when we first were starting about perceptual computing, it was think more of a batch style analytics model. And now we're talking about real time at the edge, which is just an amazing transition at a fairly reasonable price point. No, that's right. And in effect, um, there's perception and cognition. Perception is the input and recognizing what's there. Cognition is the reasoning about it or the takeaways from it. And in effect, uh, Pensa, in our case, we're doing both. And the name Pensa itself, by the way, for Pensa systems is thinking or thought in many of the world's languages. And the dot, dot, dot above Pensa, now I'm giving away all our secrets, is about the thought process. So perception and cognition applied to important business problems is in fact what Pensa is up to and so named. That is fabulous. It's Yes, in in Spanish, that would be what Pensa would mean. So that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, So we've now entered the time of the podcast where we ask for the 10 second recommendation. This could be a book, a place, a podcast, something that you'd like to refer to the audience and and tell us why. Go to the beach, go to the mountains, go do something different, go visit something you've never done before. It's a great way to clear the mind, clear your head and recenter yourself. For me, that's wine, by the way, and winemaking and going to the beach. All of those, anything different, 
that what I do every day is the way to re-energize. And I recommend that to everybody. I love it. And I want to hear more about this winemaking just quickly before we go. Is winemaking like owning an airline? Like you start with a lot of money and then you end up with, with not much or, and you start by like buying land and pouring your heart and soul into it. And then you get not much on the other end, or is it just more satisfying with the whole process? Let's say it's better as a hobby than it is sort of your main endeavor. And for me, it is a hobby. Uh, it's very satisfying. It's my counterbalance to high tech. It's more art. It's very immersive. And it's my counterbalance to all of this high tech and AI stuff during the day. So I love it. The yin and yang of on one side, we have artificial intelligence. And on the other side, we have plants and they come together to make a holistic person. Richard, it's been a wonderful, fun time interviewing you. And I hope to get to see you in person. Sounds good. Good to chat. Good to talk to you. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcast. Until next time, wishing you all the best.